Hey everyone, Evan Damerell here, co-host of Locked On Cavs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. On the audio version of our weekly crossover with WKYC, Chris and I discuss Cleveland's matchup against the Denver Nuggets, explore the impact of Kevin Love's imminent return, and discuss why Andre Drummond is so detrimental to the team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. As always, big shout out to our listeners and thank you to Swagger00 for a five-star review on iTunes where he said, we're making the Cavs fun again. He said, this dynamic duo has made my love for the Cavs even stronger. Being from Boston has made it impossible to hear anything about the Cavs, but this podcast changed that. Two of the most genuine people in the business. Swagger00, this episode of Locked on Cavs is just for you. If you want a shout out on Locked on Cavs like our friend Swagger00, give us a five-star review on iTunes. We'll be sure to keep our eyes open and we'll probably give you a nice word. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is also brought to you by CBDMD. Whether you're a pro athlete, an exhausted parent, or you spend all day in an office chair, CBDMD wants to give you the support you need to make it through the day. CBD Freeze and Recover are an outstanding duo of topical products with specialized formulas to provide targeted relief where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try, Freeze, Recover, and every other CBDMD product, you can take 25% off your next order and use the promo code NBA, like the league, at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Osmond steps into a long-distance jumper. Allen to the bucket. He crushes it home. Garland's there. Garland upstairs for Allen. Oh, look out. By Kyrie. Sexton got it back. Nance for the tie. He knocks it down. Drummond ran at him. Love this time up toward Drummond. And Drummond dunks. Oh, my. Up to a coral. He lays it up. He lays it in. And, uh, Cleveland. This is for you. Hey, hi, hello. Evan Damerell here with Locked On Cavs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Joining me as always is my co-hostess with the mostest, rocking a Locked On full zip, not even a quarter zip, oh, real yeah, fancy here. Yeah. Can't can't wait to get got, one myself it, so it, we can it has match. pockets and everything, man. It's wonderful stuff. If you're hearing that voice from audio or if you're watching this on video, you can see his name. But this is my co-host, Chris Banning. Chris, how are you doing today? You know, doing good. Um, just, you know, we, we were having some fun earlier. Just, you know, finding out that certain me- me- people in our media sphere, like, have never had, like, brie cheese or Havarti before. And I got to say, Havarti well, cheese. No, they had, they had Havarti last okay, week, and they okay. said it was pretty bold. Well, Havarti with some dill. <laughs> some good stuff. I'm just, or I'll even go a little spicy Havarti. I, cheese is good. Cheese has the same effect on your body um, in terms of your brain as, like, as, like harder drugs and we should move on from that as fast as we possibly can. Uh, but, Evan, yeah. the Cavs are going to be well, in Well, first off, yeah. I'm a little bummed because we, for those of you who are wondering how the sausage is made, we had a behind-the-scenes with WKYC slash Tegna. Thank you again for being a part of this journey with us, WKYC and Tegna. But Chris had this exact sweater I had on, <laughs> I have on right now, and I'm like, I'm going to change and match Chris and not tell him. And he didn't do pregame, so I'm like, this is perfect. He didn't see me yet. I pop on, and Chris is rocking the locked-on jacket, which now I'm just jealous because I got some major FOMO. But, yes, Chris, the Cleveland Cavaliers play the Denver Nuggets tonight. And it looks like it's going to be an interesting matchup for Cleveland. It could be another rest game where it feels like Chris Paul was questionable heading into the Monday night matchup against the Cavs. He's He was out. And it looks like Jamal Murray is questionable as well tonight when they take on the Milwaukee Bucks with a knee injury and knee soreness. So I think this is a good chance that the Cavs could not see Jamal Murray either. And this could 
be a little beneficial for the Cavs just to kind of at least make it a competitive game, not a winnable one at least. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's funny. Denver is an interesting place. It's hard to play. It's at a high altitude, so you know, it takes a it's little bit. It's, it's, it's a it's mile a little... off the ground. Fun facts. Um, it's also funnily enough the the it was the apex of the John Beeline era, the highest point you might say <laughs> um, of his tenure as Cavaliers head coach. Um, because if, he went in there if and Kevin, won. If, if Kevin and Kyrie still played for the Cavs, we can make another joke here, but let's not some, get fired. Some twisting, so yes, some twisting mustaches. Twisting the stash. Yes, yes, there yes, yes. Um, so uh, Denver's good. You know, Mike Mullen's a good coach. You know, they're working through some stuff. Uh, Locked in Nuggets, I was listening the other day, and they were talking about how, um, you know, the, the part of the reason they're having problems with the Kings is that the Kings are able to get their guards inside the paint and, and make shots in the middle of the floor area. And all I could think of was like, oh, that sounds like an area where the Cleveland Cavaliers and Colin Sexton and Darius Garland in particular have a very strong affinity for. It's an area they like to get floaters up. Colin loves that pull-up jumper. Um, so maybe that's yeah, a... That's Darius a, loves some floaters, yeah, Darius, too. And Darius, he's hitting them more of late. It was a, a real sore spot in his shot profile to start the year, and it's starting to look a little more comfortable for him and, and hitting the level he was at least at last year and probably exceeding it in, in, in due time here. But that that's obviously a big area. And, you know, I was I, the Jamal Murray thing's interesting because I was watching the Nuggets play the Spurs maybe a week ago, and Murray is so tough. Um, in this he's game, so good. he's so good. You know, obviously electric in the playoffs. It has incredible chemistry with Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll. We should talk about Jokic because he's by far going to be the best player on the floor in this game. Um, but I mean, he's an he's a top two to three MVP candidate at absolute worst, if not the front runner for the award. Isn't it weird to think real quick that him and Joel Embiid are front runners, and Giannis too? Giannis is technically a big man who just plays every position on the floor. Like those three are favorites from the MVP this year. We were talking maybe two well, or three and, years and ago. And a certain guy the, from Akron, the, the, Ohio. The, yeah, just a kid from Akron, LeBron freaking James himself. But it just it's weird to think, just when we talk about Jokic, who is a phenomenal player who we'll talk about in a second, um, it's just weird to think, like, the center was considered a dinosaur of a position, and now it's like making a resurgence where like there's multiple big men who are MVP candidates this year. It's just a fun thing to think about. But go ahead and proceed. No, but so I I was watching Murray in this game, and it's like he's playing really well, but he's taking all these knocks, and he's like like going into the tunnel and like moving around and hopping on the bike and doing all the stuff just to kind of gut through this game. And it's like you do you have to like just let him rust a couple minutes to, to, to let him actually heal his body properly, and not you know kind of be beat up in a, in a Cavs a Cavs team is sort of perhaps an optimal moment for, for them to do that. Um, but, I, Evan, I think the biggest thing in this game is just thinking about the Joel, it's not, not Joel Embiid, the Nicole Jokic matchup because, again, he's having an outrageous season. Um, you know, you know, arguably if one of the, I think it arguably right now the best passer out of any big in the league right now, if not the best of all time. Um, he's absolutely insanely creative. He's hitting threes. He's, like, you know, the, the future of the, the big yeah, man position. The, like, Google, if you don't know what the Sambor Shuffle is, go, like, on YouTube and, and watch clips of him hitting the Sambor Shuffle. It's it's incredible. He's an incredible player. And, well, after you do that Google search, Google the Balkan boys and learn about how Nikola Jokic and some other Eastern European players grew up. They are tough as nails. And there's, like, a picture of Jokic being pulled around in a horse cart, and he looks... He's a seven foot three man, so he's already comically big to begin with. But to see him in a little horse car is just even funnier. I'm yes. sorry, I keep cutting you off. I like the Nuggets a lot, and they're just an interesting team. Well, to me. they're they're a template organization for the Cavs, I think, in a lot of ways yeah. because they they're they're very strong player development. Um, they've they have a coach who's maybe not you know the highest highest echelon of the league, but Mike Bullen's a dang solid coach who 
um, coaches guys up very well, has a firm grasp in the locker room, and um, you know they're, they're they they have bets on talent. You know, they, Monty Morris has become one of the the better backup point guards in the league, if not you know probably a starting caliber guard. Um, Jokic obviously was a second round pick. You know, funny how like they take use of Nurkic in the first round of that same draft, and then Jokic becomes the the transcendent player. Just funny how that kind of works out sometimes. But like when you think about Jokic, like okay, like how do the Cavs? I I don't like. I don't think the Cavs. The Cavs are obviously just gonna. Okay, Drummond, you're gonna defend him, and you need to work your butt off against him. And Jared Allen, you need to do the same thing. There's not like good answers to actually defend Nicole Jokic. You just have to like kind of try. Um, and I would expect some doubles. And you know, maybe if they don't have their full arsenal of talent, like you can, you can do some doubling and, and make. And you know, he's gonna make incredible passes. But maybe if it's not, you know, if it's guys later down in the rotation. And not like actual rotation guys. Maybe like they just miss some shots and it breaks your way. Like I think that's kind of got to be the basic game plan if you're Cleveland. You know it really is. And actually, I'm looking at it now. Some interesting t- statistics in terms of starting centers. Um, Andre Drummond and Nikola Jokic have played each other eight times in their time in the NBA. Jokic has been in the NBA for five years. Drummond eight. They're four and four against each other. And it's actually an interesting thing. They score about the same amount. Uh, Drummond was 16.8 points per game. Jokic was 16.9. Drummond obviously out-rebounds him. And there's a, we're going to talk about this more a little bit in the episode here. Uh, Jokic is a better passer. He's actually a better deflector. But Drummond is the better shot blocker. So it's an interesting matchup for sure. I think Jokic is going to at least in recent years, actually, no, I stand corrected. Drummond is the last player to get the last laugh last season when the Pistons beat the Nuggets 128 to 123 in overtime. But in terms of Jared Allen and Jokic, it's um, not even close. Jokic almost doubles every single statistic. I mean, and in terms of assists as well, he almost quadruples what Jared Allen produces, which is just insane. And Jared is actually 4-2 and two all-time against Jokic, which is the only thing he really has a win in, which is just an interesting matchup as well. But he is going to prevent a defensive mismatch nightmare for the Cavs. And that is certainly something I'm going to want to pick the brain of J.D. Bickerstaff on more when we get closer to game time, just because how do you defend a, truly a unicorn? Like, I hate that term for some players that have like such a unique skill set because it got used too frequently like too soon too and too frequently like every single player became a unicorn when that became a popular term in the vernacular but like Jokic truly is a one-of-a-kind player at least in this era of basketball because like you could look at Sabonis's dad um I don't want to butcher his name so I don't want to go there but like there's big men in the past who have moved the ball as well like Vladi Divac is another example of that too but um Jokic just does it at such an elite level that he's a nightmare for the Cavs and especially for their big men and like Drummond has a propensity to foul and frustration. Um, Allen can do the same as well. I feel like Cleveland's medal in their big man rotation is going to be certainly tested, especially with Larry Nance Jr. out and probably Kevin Love too. Yeah, that was actually my next question. Is you know Kevin, it's he's gonna play soon. Um, it yeah, all indications that he's gonna be back very soon. I believe JB said on Monday that Kevin is probably gonna play himself back into shape. Like that is gonna be an on like something where he has to play himself back into shape. And he himself said um, on the road trip and podcast and uh, with RJ and Channing that like you know you can work out and get you know get your cardio back up and get stronger in the gym, but like their basketball shape has to just basically come from getting five on five action and playing games. And I I, I believe that is true. So it's gonna take Kevin some time to get reacclimated. But you you think there's any chance Wednesday is his return? Um, it's, um, it seems to me like he, it's, it, well, all indications seem to be like, it's gotta be this week. Wednesday, Wednesday, this week Wednesday would seem kind of an, an interesting date. Wednesday would make sense playing against the Clippers on Friday would be a rough ask for well, Kevin. To but make him, his him playing, return. him being on this road trip is a signal it's that he's going to, yeah, he wouldn't, if he, if he was not going to play, 
especially Due during to COVID, COVID, he wouldn't travel. Well, it's even just like in a normal year, if he was like, if his, if they needed him to rehab and do stuff that didn't involve pregame workouts and stuff, he would not travel. Like he would just stay in Cleveland. They'd keep him at Hal. They'd keep him in Cleveland and yes. keep monitor his situation and rehab so process. He, him traveling is an indication that he is going to play sooner rather than later. And I would guess on this road trip. Um, you know, it'd be kind of surprising me if he didn't. And Wednesday, the Cavs need him. If assuming he's healthy and good to go, and you know, if he plays Wednesday, that's good. But it's, I think that yeah. the story is really just going to be how they approach defending Nikola Jokic. It'll be um, a very, it's a very unique game plan to kind of develop something for him. But it's, it's a fun game, and it's again, I, I yeah. really like Denver. Even you know, even if Murray, you know, if Murray plays, you people will get to see perhaps the best chemistry pick and roll in the league with with Jokic and Murray. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is a very interesting player. Like they have a lot of stuff that's really interesting. Um, and there's some Cavs connections. Jordy Fernandez, an assistant, was the Canton Charge head coach for a time. And um, you know, there's there's some and Mike Malone obviously was was worked for the Cavs for a long time as well. So there's yeah. definitely some connections there. There's definitely some <clears throat> interesting connections. I am interested to see if Kevin Love will make his debut or at least his return to Cleveland's lineup. He'd be obviously probably be a starter if on Wednesday against the Nuggets, but J.B. Vickerstaff plays as close to his vest on Monday night when they asked if, Torian, if Kelsey Russo, the Athletic, asked if Torian Pinson draw the start with J, with Larry Nance Jr. sideline due to his surgery. J.B. said, maybe. So J.B.'s a notorious coach to do these kind of things, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offensive system for Cleveland if Kevin Love does come back soon. And Chris, we'll have to talk about that in the next segment, but before we do that, why don't you tell us about some of our sponsors today? Yeah, this episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times, in Style Magazine, and Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they are gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or are looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. Then there's also the Locked On Today podcast. We, as Evan and I, are covering everything you need to know about the Cleveland Cavaliers, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, we are back. Chris, we talked about this in the last segment. Kevin Love could be making, very well will be probably making his, wow, I really butchered that sentence. But either way, Kevin Love will probably be making his return to Cav- the Cavaliers lineup on this long, lengthy West Coast road trip. Chris and I will be losing a lot of sleep watching the Cavs play. Uh, they play at 9 o'clock in Phoenix. I think they play at 10 o'clock in Denver and 10 o'clock in Los Angeles. So uh, fun week coming well, up, know, especially because I turned 20. Well, yeah, well, you're, yeah, you're getting older, but you know, at least, yeah. at least for our sanity, you know, you get Wednesday and then you get Friday, Saturday. And, uh, you know what? I, or Friday, Sunday, well, Sunday, that's Sunday, Sunday, Monday one's a little brutal, but, uh, you know, I'll take at least the Friday one in Portland. I'll take at least one. That's not, you know, obscenely late. So, yeah. 
Folks, if you're listening for the first time, if you check out next Monday's episode, I'm going to ask Chris several times, does he have a case in the Mondays if we stay up for Sunday's entire game? Which, but, uh, TBD? TBD, TBD. We will see. I probably will because I'm a, I'm a maniac. But Kevin Love will be returning to Cleveland's roster and rotation, and he probably will not have any type of impact defensively, obviously, because he's not a plus defender to begin with. I feel like you're bobbing your head back and forth because you're processing this or you're about to tell me i'm wrong but no, i'm thinking about i'm thinking about the sleep schedule for next week which is just a classic chris ah. move of what we're thinking pull out that calendar and pull out your planner and your <laughs> spreadsheets and if then, you know you know he slapped it for those of you listening on audio he just slapped his planner to let everyone know that he's been planning out his life beautiful but what Kevin Love will really be a huge part of this offense, I think. From Once there's going to be a little bit of clunkiness at first, at first because he has to get acclimated to playing with his teammates again because he lost valuable preseason time, barely played in the beginning of the season. He played way too much in the double OT set against Detroit, and I think he got hurt the following game against Philly or it could be vice versa. I'm it was, not, it was, the, it was the very – they played in Detroit, and then they played – uh, it was a back-to-back, and he played the next night and got hurt in the first quarter of that game. Yes, that's it. So they probably should have played so much against Detroit. He was on a minutes restriction with the Cavs. were trying to win that game. So, And then he obviously gets hurt with the calf strain, which was an Achilles injury at first, which is even scarier, but it was downgraded to a calf strain and has been rehabbing. The Cavs always err on the side of caution with their players. So there's going to be a bit of a clunkiness. But, Kat, Chris, I think we're really going to see the true apex of Cleveland's offense because then you'll have Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love. I know Andre Drummond is a bit of a curmudgeon on this offense and defense, but he is a factor offensively. You can't replicate 20 points and 20 rebounds, even if they are on 30 shots a night. But and Jared Allen as well, Torian Prince, Jetty Osmond. Like we're going to see a lot of key pieces finally be able to gel in Cleveland, and I think we're finally going to get an idea of is Cleveland really the worst offensive team in the league, or are they maybe more middle of the pack? I, I think middle of the pack would be extremely ambitious. Kevin's going to help, but I don't think him him helping them that much to me would be kind of crazy. Middle um, of the pack is a bit of a generous term. I'm not saying fifth, they go from 30th to 15th. I'm saying they're a little bit more respectable than they've looked at times when the team was ravaged by injuries. And I remember they played the Nets. Kevin Durant told the media, like, oh, they're the 30th offensive team in the league. They just got lucky tonight. And I'm like, to myself, I'm like, it's not really the full context of the story. They're missing almost every key player for two weeks, and it just tanked their offensive rating. Yeah, and they've had little blips for, like, over a one, two-week stretch. They were, like, 23rd. But, like, right now, over the last two weeks, they're 28th in offensive rating. Again, as you mentioned, 30th for the season um, at 104.9 points per possession. That's .2 behind the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, according to Cleaning the Glass, which, which varies, takes out heaves, so like any junk possessions, this factors them out. Uh, good luck or bad kind of impacts those. But um, yeah, I think Kevin just shooting three should help. Yeah. And How many it, threes a night do you think he should be shooting? Uh, That's the real question. That. He took seven. Apple Watch, man. Took uh, seven a game last year, if I'm remembering correctly. I think he's got to get close to that. If not, yeah, if I not think at seven, that, you know, I mean, like seven, who, who, seven to eight's ideal for Cleveland, but they're not a, they're not a volume three point shooting team. Yeah, Jetty Austin said the other night, we need to be shooting thirty to forty like okay, Utah so, Jazz. So here, Cleveland's so, shooting twenty five so at he, tops. But, but here's the thing: Kevin Love is the one guy who organically is going to take a lot of them. Colin Sexton, yeah. as a player, like is still very hesitant to fire them up. Darius Garland is the same way. Jetty Osmond probably to a detriment is like 
hell yeah, brother, I'm going to take threes, and, like, they're not always going to be smart shots. Isaac Okoro does not have a three. He's taking them when he's open, but he's not, like, a pull-up three-pointer in, in a consistent way yet. Um, he's not. Larry Nance is a hesitant three-point shooter. The Cavs have, Larry Nance is shooting a career-high threes and shooting them at a good clip, but he is absolutely stretched to the absolute maximum of what he's going to do to the shooter, and he's out four to six weeks, or six weeks, because he just had, sur- yeah. he had surgery on Monday. So, um you're in a position where, like, I think Kevin has, like, has to be Kevin's role. The good news about that is Kevin's clear role as an NBA player since he came to Cleveland with LeBron, and obviously I think post, just in terms of how the game has shifted around him, is he's a he's a he's an elite floor spacer. Um, you know, yes. I, I think the question we'll get into is like, how does it impact the defense? I, I'm not as worried about that. I don't think he's going to be like a Davis Bertans level problem on that end of the floor. I don't think he's. I think as a rebounder and and as a pat and and just kind of that and schematically being in the right spots, he's going to be um, able to hang if they play some zone. Um, I think it'll work. And Evan, yeah. frankly, I I think the best way to utilize Kevin in the best Cavs offensive lineup is going to be. I don't know who the three is. Because, like, defensively, it, it might be Okoro. Um, but, like, offensively, I don't know could who be, it is. It could be Torian Prince. Prince. But the, the best... I think Prince is your best bet there. The best Cavs offensive five is going to be Garland, Sexton, probably Torian Prince, um, maybe Jetty Osmond if he's having a good night, and then Kevin Love and Jared Allen. It's very clear to me yeah. that that is, like, the optimal, most modern way you could go because Kevin can space. You can run all the spread of pick and roll. You already like to run. Kevin it can just get a lot of easy threes, do some secondary creation. Um, Kevin is also the one guy on the team that is, like, very willing to just, like, get the – like, when the offense kind of resets, instead of having to run a pick and roll or go a dribble in an ISO, he's like, I'm just going to take a pull-up. Like, he is just this yep. missing ingredient to what they're going to do. Um, and, again, I don't think he's going to save the offense, but if they're 28th and he's playing well – like that—that's a signal that like things are pr- pretty pretty broken in in a way that, you know, you you can't really make excuses for anymore. No, Kevin loves shooting and Kevin loves veteran savvy. Who is really going to unlock things? I agree. Uh, actually, in terms of Kevin, he could be the Bree cheese or the Hervardi cheese that unlocks Cleveland's offense. Just to add some more cheese comparisons to the beginning of the episode. But um, no, I like that hypothetical lineup you propose where it's Garland, Sexton, Prince, Love, Allen. Like, there's really just a lot of fun plug and play options there. Like Sexton isn't abhorrent defensively this year so he's at least trying on the defensive side of the ball he's not great but he's doing better garland has active hands if, if you're kevin playing next to jared allen is the best case thing for you at this point in your career because jared allen yeah. is going to cover up jared all allen of your is, mistakes jared allen is the perfect center to play alongside kevin love there is no doubt in my mind unless it was like rudy Gobe- like and then the non-rudy gobert category like mm. gobert is elite of the elite and allen's not that would you not rather that level. have Rudy Gobert alongside Kevin Love at his current contract with factoring okay, that massive con- extension of con- his contract, or contract Jared aside, Allen. In terms of just pure skill, it'd be Gobert. Oh, yeah. But well, in no, terms skill of skill as well, but I I I work I cover the Cavs for Forbes. So I got to think of the dollars here as jo- as Johnny Manziel once gestured like I just Johnny did. Manziel who um, hates the city of Cleveland according to his Twitter account now, which is just a wild blaming him blaming Cleveland a, for his mistakes is just like a, a choice, my guy. But um, what a dork. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, I I think like in terms of like value and even Allen's next contract is going to be significantly less than what it's going to make and it Kevin like Kevin Love is probably like in some ways hoping to like end up in a spot where like he can play like at a title level again I think that would probably be what would make him happiest um to some degree but I think if he's I going think to think that ship is getting ready to leave port unless he can show he's healthy and if he can't yes. it's going to set sail well, on him yes but if he's going to play out this contract in Cleveland or at least another year of it Jared Allen's like kind of the optimal center to kind of like getting him instead mm-hmm. of Drummond as the center for this year and next year oh, and yeah. beyond is like much a much better setup for for Allen in terms of 
defense and kind of letting him do Kevin Love stuff. Well, it's actually interesting you mentioned that. Let's talk a little bit about Andre Drummond and why he's not an ideal fit for Cleveland's offense in terms of finishing and alongside Kevin Love, because I'm sure you have some numbers on this too. But let me give you a quick word from one of our sponsors in betonline.ag. The Super Bowl is over, but basketball is in full swing, and there's only one place that has you covered, one place we trust for sports betting, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Like I mentioned, basketball is in full swing, and that means college football, or sorry, college basketball and, and NBA ball hoops as well on a night-to-night basis. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts and the exclusive betting partner, the Locked On Podcast Network. And speaking of college hoops, March Madness is a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board Podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first big board of the year out with profiles of Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Probably where you find Locked On Cavs and listeners. Totally recommend this because as the Cavs embark on this road trip, they're going to be sliding in draft rankings and you might want to get acquainted with some of these top prospects. All right, Chris, we are back for the last segment for Wednesday, February 10th. I am 28 years old, and 28 years old in one day, to be technical here. So happy 28th and one day birthday to myself. But the Cavs, we talked about how Jared Allen is the ideal fit in the Cavs' offensive lineup alongside Kevin Love, Torian Prince, Colin Sexton, and Darius Garland. Why the heck is an Andre Drummond in there? And he is the highest-paid big man on Cleveland's roster, and he's a former All-Star, and I hear all the time from people who listen to the show why are we so low on him let's finally put this nail in the coffin why isn't Andre Drummond an ideal offensive fit in Cleveland well I I think it stems from the issue that I I think one of the limitations of him generally as a player is just his um, shooting at the rim so Evan he has three career seasons um, where he is you know at a a, a above average finishing rate for a big man at the rim and that's that's troubling for a guy making as much money as he as he is um even more troubling he's only has one he only has one section of his career where he's um above average in terms of percentage on short mid-range shots so kind of in that four to 14 feet range that was his eight games with the Cavs last year so it's just like you got to throw that out the window because of the, the size of it um he's he's actually shooting 43 percent this year so that's at least like kind of an interesting bit there but you know I Drummond is shooting this year 52% at the rim that is in the bottom 6% of big men um, and he that is down 10% from his time in Cleveland last year it's about down 10% um, from all of these other instances and you're saying okay like how many times is he shooting at the rim 73% of his shots are coming at the rim this season so He's some of that is not all on him. It is unfair to put this all on him, but he is a guy who needs spacing. He needs, um, he needs that kind of room to kind of work a little bit better. But he he's not. He's clearly not capable of overcoming some of the limitations you have. Jared Allen is shooting like upwards of seventy percent, um, on, and he's an elite finisher on lobs, and that's just not something Drummond is. And Drummond like maybe is more technically skilled in some ways as a passer right now and all that stuff, but. He's not the hammer at the rim that you kind of need to finish off plays. Um, he would be, he would look like a much better player, like finishing and dunking and, and rolling to the rim, playing for like the Nets or like another high level team. But in the role he is in, and in kind of the the situations he's always kind of been in, he there's a lot on him, and 
his touch around the rim is a little iffy because he often is getting his own misses and then like throwing them back up. So it's just like this kind of loop you you get in with him. Um, it's a vicious cycle. Yes. Um, it's it's tricky to kind of imagine this. Um, and if I am if I'm the Cavs, I think like it's very clear that like ah, they they view finishing at the rim like that is like that and just pure shot blocking are the two things Allen is c- definitively better at than Andre Drummond, and it's sort of clear in getting him and kind of signaling what they think about him that that's like the reason. And and Evan like I the whole team the whole team as a whole is not shooting well at the rim. Collins not shooting well at the rim. Darius isn't shooting well at the rim. Kevin is going to help the offense, but he's never been like a really great finisher around the rim despite having like good touch and, and quick little post moves. It's not something he's particularly um, ultimately great at either. Um, even, you know, even though he's he's a, a very skilled player inside, but there, there's he's not finishing at the highest, highest clip at the rim. So, like, they're, you're, and the Cavs are second or first in the league right now, excuse me, in terms of shot, take the percentage of their shots that they're taking at the rim. So, TLDR, the Cavs take a lot of shots at the rim. They miss a lot of yeah. them, and their offense is bad. That, yeah. That's the gist of this, and Drummond's at the center of it. Chris, everyone called Chris a doomsayer for saying the Cavs weren't a good offensive team and a good times were rolling, but Mr. Manning was validated. I wrote, he wrote a I, very nice what, article for Fear the Sword about how their three-point shooting wasn't sustainable, yeah, like the third game and everybody else just kind of came out of the woodworks and said like their three-point shooting was never sustainable, and I'm like, Chris is just like, I've been saying this I've been, for I, years, wagging yeah. his finger like Bernie. <laughs> Shots to Bernie, but... um. I just am outside in the cold in my mittens. But um, Evan Drummond, Drummond, according to like again, this isn't like a catch-all thing. And I, I tweeted out this chart the other day that still kind of breaks my brain. But Andre Drummond is the is the only player in like the top fifteen in usage rate. And I'll do fifteen plus Jokic because Jokic is eighteenth in usage rate. Um, which for people that don't know what that means, that basically means the amount of possessions you're finishing. Um, on a team, and something like you're, you're, the amount of times you have the ball is sort of the approximate way for us to say this. He's like he was like eighth mm-hmm. when I looked, I think, and he was the only player with like a negative offensive impact, um, according yeah. to like a real plus minus evaluation from ESPN. So like, you are featuring him a lot, and you're not getting returns, and that that that's like the root of this. Um, but I, yep. I I also don't think we know like it's it's an, a very open ended question about Sexton, about Garland, about about JB as an offensive coach. Like if if you like had Allen starting and then JaVale McGee's your backup, and you ran the offense like more. Like, like, how good is it? Would it be really? I don't think it's like massively better, but it probably functions a little bit better, is my guess. Yeah, no, it would look a lot more similar to what we saw when Andre Drummond was out against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Cavs are just a lot more active, a lot more movement, screens, everything like that. They, the Cavs are very lethargic when they start Andre Drummond, and they have to start Andre Drummond because one, he's making almost twenty nine million a year, and two, the Cavs are trying to see what his availability or his what the best offer they can get is on the trade market. The best way to do that is to play him as many minutes as possible and kind of feature him offensively. So the Cavs have the keys and the tools to have a more modern NBA offense that makes more sense. But right now they're playing a little bit of archaic basketball and Chris laid it out beautifully. Just what's not working necessarily. And I think Chris, as we kind of wrap this up, I'm curious and I'm just thinking about it as I process what you said and just the numbers themselves. Do Drummond is Drummond being such a poor finisher at the rim. Does that have an inverse effect on let's say sexton especially like sexton's finishing at the rim really surprised me when i saw the infamous chart that we got mentioned in and tagged in today on twitter um do you think that has a bit of an inverse effect or do you think it's just collins a little bit more trigger happy than he should be at times we got checked we got tagged in a chart yeah send it to send it. all right send send this to me I'll off the air because i i have no idea what oh, you're well. talking about um 
somebody laid out a nice graph to display like some finishing numbers for players and Colin Sexton was just below like the league oh, average. Oh, this is the Kirk, the Kirk, the, their Kirk Goldsberry Kirk thing. Goldsberry, okay, yeah, yes. Kirk, Kirk's great. Um, his book Sprawl Ball is like very very good. Um, so I I don't think it helps because there's no space inside. Nope. And and some of this also is just like Isaac Okoro is positioned as like a three. And uh, he's getting used to handle the ball a little bit, and I think they're pushing him to do more stuff on offense, but he's not, like, spacing the floor yet. Teams just don't care. Like, even Larry Nance, it was very notable that when the Bucks were defending Larry Nance, Giannis was a good five feet off Larry Nance Jr., who is, like, kind of proven to be a shooter now, but they're just like, take the shot. We don't care. We're going to cramp everything he, else He's up. a timid shooter. But yes. that's also Milwaukee's defensive scheme, is they dare you to shoot threes, yes. and they'll protect the paint instead. Yes. but the, and then, That's what Cleveland does as well. Yes, but um, the, there are even instances where, like, teams don't go over screens against Colin Sexton. They're like, take the pull-up. We know you don't really want to. Like, that is the adjustment they've made after he got up to that blistering start out of the season. That is not the full thing, but, like, the basic adjustment teams have made is saying, they're saying, okay, like, we know you don't want to take this pull-up. We're going to slide under the screen and, and beat you to the to the spot you want to get in on the floor and at least muck it up for you a little bit. We're going to dare you to beat us. Um, It's why, like, M- Michael Pina wrote a really good piece at SI about De'Aaron Fox, and it's like, he has this, he's developed this really nice step-back game, and that that's going to be something that Sexton, I think, could ape. And, and potentially kind of implement it in his thing. But it's also, I think there's also having some schematic things that don't make sense. Like, number one, yeah. Kevin Love being back has reduced the, the the scope of the playbook. You're not running nearly as much stuff to design up threes or, or create easy reads for people. And number two, I don't think Dylan Windler is being used properly. Nope. And I think that's something we need to talk about at length more when it comes to offensive issues with this Cleveland team. And maybe a player we need to focus in on when he gets mm-hmm. more minutes. Um, it's just but, it's but, unfortunate but because... I, you know, I, I put this in the Fear the Sword chat the other day we have. Like, I, I think he's being pushed inside. Like, he's yeah, he's no. not filling space. He's not, like, rotating around to fill the shooter spots. He's, like, crashing to the offensive glass. And that just feels weird to me. Um, and, do you, I mean, is, are you seeing the same thing? Or am I, am I hallucinating something here? No, I'm seeing the same thing. I think the Cavs need to use him more in, like situations where they can like especially like the elevator doors play the spurs run or just getting him easy looks from the perimeter like they ran a play similar to that to darius garland the other night and shouts to friend of the pod justin rowan for pointing this out to me but garland drew three fouls doing that because teams respect garland as a shooter and i think mm-hmm. they'll respect windler as a shooter too and a lot of it's rust because windler's been away for so long and just the other parts of things are just a little frustrating too but yeah they're not really utilizing dylan windler and it's just once we kind of get more sustainable footage with all these key players out there for Cleveland, maybe we can sign to say like, okay, maybe GP Bricker Stefan's too vanilla of an offensive scheme, or maybe he's kind of waiting to unlock things for Kevin to be back. Cause like Chris, you and I have both heard like the Cavs really had a focus on this offense being centered around Kevin and Larry, and then complimenting them with the young guards and the young players as well to kind of take some of the pressure off those young players well, too. Think about how many times um, I've mentioned the, the double drag set. <laughs> and like how many times oh, they yeah. but, but think about how many times they ran it in the I preseason know. you know yeah like they, ran they, it they, they ran it with Thon Maker and like JaVale McGee and like they're obviously never going to run that in real time and Thon's like not even on the team anymore but like you know you they were running that a lot and it was clearly like a staple of what they wanted to do and then they don't run it now because they know they can't really run it without without Kevin um and yeah. I, I also just like don't believe that like when we talked to JB a while back um you know, he he had told us that like they were filming stuff in the bu- in their own bubble to like work on the offensive side of the ball. 
Like, yeah. the, it would be. And they're it, studying Miami and Denver, who are teams who really play through their big men. And who and who move. And, and who are constantly moving and having their shooters move. Like, Duncan Robinson yeah. is not, like, crashing off the glass. He's running around the floor like a maniac trying to get open off of screens. Like, Dylan Wendler is not Duncan Robinson, but, like, he could move a little more. Like, you could design movement. Yeah. And I just don't believe that this is the offense they design in the bubble. No, I My guess I, I is that. Absolutely. My, yeah. my hunch is that injuries made them change their plans and this is like the best yes. thing they they could come up with without a lot of time to practice because they don't really get to like do like it's not like the nfl where like you can install stuff during the week like you don't really have time for that in the nba you just don't no i you really don't and it's just gonna be an interesting matchup especially when they play denver on wednesday night um chris we probably got to get out of here and there's a lot more we can digest when it comes to the Cavs offense but right now they're just not a good offensive team and i think playing denver is really going to put things in perspective because denver is a very balanced team uh phoenix is a good test as well especially for their younger players just because they have devin freaking booker who's really really good um but yeah, no, it's just going to be interesting to see what the Cavs kind of handle on this road trip. They're going to be playing a lot of good teams above 500. They do not have a winning record against above 500 teams. So, Chris, before we get out of here, who do you think wins Cavs Nuggets on Wednesday night? Because infamously, for those who are longtime listeners, Chris and I both said the Cavs had a 0% chance of beating the Nuggets, and they went in there and smashed Denver, which was a rare win for John, not just John Bayline, but the Cavs as well, who are historically bad against the Nuggets in Denver. Uh, I I just go Denver because they have Jokic. That's fair. Um, I'm gonna go Denver as well, and we're gonna look like morons the following day when we give our recaps and thoughts on this. But so, Chris, somewhere, is anything so, you want to? Yes, the Cavs are the Cavs will win, and John Bielan will be smiling. That's all I gotta say here. He'll be sitting at home, uh, eating his Werther's butterscotch. A second one tonight because he's feeling pra- a little Practicing frisky. shooting, practicing some some shots with the beeline ball. There's, I must detach my retina. So that's how hard I rolled my eyes, but. Chris, while we when we get out of here, where do you want? Is there anything you want to say to the fine folks at home? No, thanks everyone for listening. Um, thanks again for supporting the pod. If you're watching on WKYC for the first time, you can find us wherever you get podcasts. If you go to our Twitter page at at Lockdown Cavs, uh, you click the link tree link in the bio. There's a link to our Discord and every platform we are on. You can find us there and and please go and and leave us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you're so kind. Thank you again for checking us out. If you are a first-time listener, like Chris said, you can find us anywhere you can get your podcast. The five-star reviews happen, happen to help quite a bit for us. But until next time, go Cavs.